Hey, well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love Christmas music. Anybody else in here love Christmas music? Okay, it, every, I think, isn't that weird? We all love Christmas music. Uh, I do boycott it a little bit when I'm trick-or-treating and they're playing Christmas music. That's a little hard for me. But uh, my tradition has been, and now it, it's my family's as well, is the day after Thanksgiving, though, that's when we pull out the tree, we do everything, and all the Christmas CDs go into our player, and we just play them all the time. They're in our car. Our kids are singing them. Even Caleb, my little almost you know, two-year-old, almost three-year-old, uh, a couple nights ago, we put him to bed, and we went into our bedroom, and we could hear his faint little voice in there, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, dun 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 Batman! You know, <laughs> I love that little dude. But... Uh, Christmas carols and music have always been like a big part of my family. Many of you know if you've been here, I'm a major sports fanatic. My dad was a phys ed teacher, coached football, basketball, and baseball, so that's just kind of in my blood. But he was also the choir director at our church, and my mom was a, a piano teacher. She taught piano lessons. So we also were totally engaged in the music world, and I had five, uh, there's five of us kids. I have two brothers and two sisters, and anybody who knew us called us like the Von Tropp family, and uh, so we were forced, I, was, I felt forced to sing as a kid, and we'd all have to stand around the piano, and every time we'd do Christmas and family would come over, we'd all have to stand up and do it. My dad would direct, and we'd do the whole deal. We'd drive to our grandparents' hour and a half, and we'd sing all the way there and all the way back, and, but in the midst of all that and all these carols... Um, it came upon a midnight clear, the, one, the song that you just heard. How, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, give me the lyrics to It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, how many of you think you could actually give them? Okay, one, two, could you do all verses? Okay, no. See, it was weird. Um, I, I had no idea what was in It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Outside the first verse, It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, la da 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 you know, this happy little song. We're sitting around as a, as a team uh, preparing the service, and we Googled, we were Googling stuff, and I pulled up this hymn, and I started reading through it. Let me, let me just read for you what Mike just sang. I think you might be surprised about this Christmas song. It says, Still through the cloven skies they came, talking about the angels, with peaceful wings unfurled, and still their heavenly music floats over all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plains, they bent on hovering wing. And over its babble sounds, the, bla- the blessed angels sing. O ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. O rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. I mean, would you have had any idea that that was in the song? Because even the tune doesn't match, right? Oh, ye beneath life's crushing load, you know, whose forms are bending low. Come on, everybody. You know, uh, I just realized, like, we've, we've been singing this song. We have no idea what we're singing. But you guys, it's into this world of crushing loads and weariness, painful steps, that the touch of God comes. And the touch of God, when it comes into our world, it's a touch of peace. And it's internal, the peace that God wants to offer us. It's also peace amongst each other, very important to God. And then ultimately, and most importantly, is the fact that we can actually finally have peace with God. So when the angels came to the shepherds, they said, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, which includes you. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is Christ the Lord. And we just realize when we think about Christmas, the reality is that this world that's been written there and it came upon a midnight clear is everywhere. Feeling heavy and burdened, maybe like it's very dark. It's happening in Russia. It's happening in Honduras. It's happening in New Orleans. It's happening right across town. And it's happening right in this room. Right here, right now. That is the world, you guys, though, that we wanted to bring up to you today. This is the world that Christmas came into. What's interesting, if you go back 2,000 years to when Jesus Christ entered the world, Christmas took place in such a time as this. Because the Jews at this time were under Roman rule. There was a time of oppression that they felt when the angels came and said, we bring good news. There's something new that's going to happen. 700 years before that, the prophet Isaiah foretold of Christ's birth. And it's interesting that when he was foretelling about the birth of the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, that the, the, the period of time was the same. The Israelites at this time were getting prepared. The Assyrians were going to be taking them over. The kings were corrupt. They were leading the people away from God. It was a very, very dark time. So it's interesting to me that in the darkness is when Christmas actually came. It's when the prophets told about it. It's when Jesus Christ came. And even right now today, in this world, what we wanted to let you know is that God wants to bring his touch onto your life and into the lives around us, both near and far. And that's what Christmas is for. When Christ's birth was foretold, it's interesting. Let me just read for you real quick in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 9, starting with verse 2. Lost my spot. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then he says, For to us, Now you guys check this out, just remember, to 700 years before the birth of Christ. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This was a really dark, heavy time in the history of Israel. And the prophet Isaiah says, but you guys, the people who walk in darkness will see a light. A light will dawn because unto you a child will be born. And if you follow, the Israelites, the Jewish people, waited. They waited a long time in the hopes that this Savior, this Messiah, would eventually be born. Now, I don't know about you, but when we think about waiting, I don't think we have a clue to what waiting is compared to them. Now, you, those of us who have kids, you remember when you were a kid waiting for Christmas? I mean, I don't know how about your mom and dad did, but when my mom and dad did about three weeks before Christmas, they put a couple presents under the tree, and then a few days later, they put a couple more, and then the next week, they'd add some more, and you're this little kid, you're going, <laughs> you know, you're, like, you're like frothing at the mouth, you can't wait for Christmas, you know, and it's just like, we'd come home from my, uh, my aunts and uncles and like, hurry up and get to bed, because the sooner I go to bed, the sooner I can get up. Man, you can't wait. I'm telling you guys, you realize 
the Israelites, the Jewish people, waited 700 years in the hopes for this prophecy that Isaiah talked about. That someday there would be a Savior that would come into the world. That the Messiah would come. And then, this is a great point in history, 700 years later, Jesus Christ goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, which was his custom as a Jewish person. He stood up to read, it says, and the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. So it says that Jesus unrolled the scroll, and then he looked around, and he came down to this one verse, this passage, and then he read it. And again, it's from Isaiah, and it's Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. So picture this. Jesus Christ stands up in front of everybody in the synagogue, opens up Isaiah, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. And then it says, he took the scroll and he rolled it up. He gave it back to the attendant and then he sat down. And then the eyes of everyone, it'd just be like you right now, the eyes of everyone, it says they were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 700 years they waited for the one who would come and bind up their broken hearts, who could preach to them good news, who could set them free, who could comfort them when they mourn. And Jesus Christ stands before him, reads it, and says, Today it is fulfilled in your presence. See, guys, this is what Christmas was for. The light finally dawned. The Prince of Peace the mighty God had come, the Savior and the Messiah. And what does he do? What does it say that Jesus Christ is going to do? He reads it and he says, I have been anointed to preach good news to the poor. Now, in studying all this and going back and, and reading all the scholars, the word poor there doesn't necessarily mean someone who's financially poor. It is, it is a person who's poor in spirit. It's this uh, idea that one scholar said, it's all who are distressed or in trouble for any reason. What Jesus is really saying is, I have come. I've got good news to preach to anybody who has any need within their being. And then he goes on to say, and what is he going to do? I'm going to bind up your broken heart. I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to release the prisoners from darkness. I'm going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and I'm going to comfort all who mourn. Guys, this was Christmas. So we go back, and I think about this. It came upon the midnight clear. O ye, beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now for glad and golden hours. Come swiftly on the wing. O rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Now, I don't know how you're doing today, but again, in the room this size, there's probably a good, pretty good chance that some of you are sitting there and going, yeah, you know, I'm trying to get in the Christmas spirit, but it's just hard. Some of you are. You're going through this year without a loved one for the first time. 
and you're going through Christmas for the first time without that person. That's heavy and that's hard. Some of you are in huge conflicts and it's just life is not going the way that it should be. And if you aren't in that position, then we all know people who are. And so here he comes, Jesus Christ says, Christmas is for you. Christmas was to go into the darkness as the light of the world and bring a new hope. So when I was looking at this, you guys, I, I, um, I couldn't help but think about my kids because when I'm, uh, when I'm prepping, I'm using my computer, I don't know about you guys, but my, uh, my screensaver is actually all my photos that are on my computer. Anybody else do that? I, I love that because then ev- my whole life just comes up and goes before my eyes. At, you know, if my computer's still for a minute, and then all of a sudden I look over, and then every person I love just kind of slowly, don't you love how it slowly comes across the screen? You're like, oh. It, actually, I don't get any work done because I just sit there and I stare at my family and my kids. But I, I love that. So this week, I was prepping this message, and I'm thinking about all this stuff. And then all I could think about was Caleb and Ashlyn and Mariah and my beautiful bride, Susie. And, but I thought about these kids because what Jesus said what the scripture said he was going to come as was the everlasting Father. Our Heavenly Father in heaven came to do something specific for you. And I started thinking about that much of what he wants to do for us is kind of what our job is to do with our kids. He came to, to bring good news to the poor. And again, if we're not talking just financially poor here, but if we're talking about anyone who's distressed or in trouble for any reason... <laughs> Hello, are your kids not in trouble and distress for any reason? I mean, I find my kids struggling so much of the time in what my job is as the father is to come alongside and bring good news into that situation, to bring perspective and to bring hope when my kids are struggling. If you have kids, have you ever had to bind up a broken heart? Have you ever had to comfort one of your children when they mourn? This is like a daily occurrence at my house. This is exactly what I do. And then to provide freedom or release for the captives and for the prisoners. And that's just not when we're playing, you know, knights and an army and stuff like that. There's a deeper thing that a parent's supposed to do for their kids to set them free. And I'm going to get in that to the, a little bit in, the, in just a second here. But here's, here's my question, you guys. Why is the world so weary? Why is it that children are growing up in Russia without any parents? Why is it that people live in communities where clean water, where they, not like us, where they can't turn on a knob and just grab a glass and drink something clean? Why are there war-torn countries where people have to get ripped out of their country and placed places like here, like in Salt Lake City, without even a choice, having to leave loved ones and leave families? Why do we get in these conflicts with each other? Where we heard, I mean, it's just, why is the world like this? Susan and I were talking about it just a couple days ago, and she said, well, one way you could say it, Dave, is the reason there isn't peace on earth is because we're not at peace with God. God says, you know what? Peace on earth, you guys. I come as the prince of peace. But you got to get in line with me. That's what I do. I bring peace to your heart. I actually bring, bring, bring peace into your relationships. But the problem is, we're not in line with God. So the angels come along and they say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, 
peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, in the song, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, what we sing is, um, we sing, and peace on earth to men, goodwill towards men from our gracious king. But what the Bible says is that the peace that comes to men, the peace that comes to you and I, is on him who his favor rests. In Isaiah, what the prophet said when Jesus read the scroll, he said, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, the year of the Lord's favor was, is kind of a, a, a reference to this thing called the year of Jubilee. And in the Jewish culture, God had set up this deal where every seven years, they were going to cancel everybody's debts. Anybody up for that? Can you, yeah, people get excited about this concept. Can you imagine living your life, garnering debt, and then seven years later, it's just clean. You have a complete clean slate. That would be a Merry Christmas, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. Well, what that was a reference to, you guys, is that God was going to come and clean our slate. All of our debt, all of our sin, everything within our hearts that makes us bent away from God, he was going to do it. That's the Lord's favor. That's his favor. Another word in the scripture that's used for favor is grace. It's God's grace. It's his goodwill. It's his kindness. And it's undeserved. And that's the gift that Jesus Christ came to bring to all of us. And so when we look at this, you go to John chapter 1, verse 14 and 16. It says, The Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. You guys, God came to give us a gift, and it's his grace. Now, I don't know about you guys, but hopefully here in a couple days when you have Christmas, okay, because there's a difference between gifts and then trying to earn something. Hopefully you haven't, you know, made your kids, you know, like, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why, because you're not getting any gifts because you were a bad kid. (laughs) Right? I mean, are you really, I, I, I would really doubt that any of you have gotten ready for Christmas and your gifts are based on how much your kids cried or didn't cry, or how good they were or they weren't, because if that's what you're given, you're not given a gift, you're given a wage, and that is not what God gives. He has favor, he has grace towards us, and you know what we have felt? We feel so much of the time, it's like, you know what it's about? I got to be good enough to get God's favor, uh-uh. No, you don't. He came full of grace and full of truth. And again, it just made me think about my parenting. What is a good parent supposed to do? A good parent, their job is to help our kids understand what the truth is. To understand what is right. That's what the truth is. What is true is what is right. It's what's good. And I don't know about you, but man, that's my job. And I feel like it's a constant job as a parent to make sure that our kids are finding out because if they don't find out this right path and they start going off this way, it's going to be harmful. It's going to be destructive. So when Jesus Christ came full of truth, he was saying, listen, I know you guys have lots of perspectives. I know you have lots of ideas about how life should work. Let me just tell you, I created this deal. Let me show you what the truth is. This is the way you should live. 
But then thankfully, God comes full of grace. Full of grace. Because I can tell you what, man, I don't know about you, but when your kid starts coming off this way, (laughs) I need Jesus in my heart in that moment. Because you know what the Bible says about God? He's slow to anger. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? All you kids are out there going, yeah, mom, dad, listen. Slow to anger. God is patient. God is kind. Now, he's true. But when we start going off, he is full of grace. And so I was thinking about that with my kids. And I've said this here before. But when your kid was born, and they, all they do is poop in their diaper, that's their gift to you, right? And what do you do with that gift? Come on, man. Just, you just make them lay in it, right? Because this stinks. No. What you do with a kid who's a newborn who poops in his diaper as a parent is you just, you just clean it. You know what's amazing to me, too, by the side note here? I can't clean any other kid's diaper except my own. Anybody else like that? Yeah, all the men, raise your hand. Exactly. Because every other kid's diaper, there ain't no way I'm touching that. But with my own kids, it's not that big of a deal. You just go in and you just clean it. You know what's interesting? When a person gets to redo, when a person puts their faith in Christ, and they're brand new, and they're following Jesus, guess what? It's messy. And lots of times it stinks. And you know what? We think in that moment that God's going to judge us and condemn us. But no, God came to clean us and to take care of us. I think about my kids as well. All they do is direct obedience, right? Sometimes they just come at you, and they're just saying no to you, right to your face. And what do you do in those moments? Man, if my kids got what they deserved, right? There's forgiveness in those moments, or, or when they're fighting with each other. In fact, just this morning, I'm getting ready to leave the house. I got my bag, my coat on, and I'm starting to head out, and all of a sudden, Ashlyn's just wailing, and she's crying. And I go, Ashlyn, what's the matter? She goes, Caleb just hit me with a fork with the pointy ends, you know? And I'm like, great, Sue, see you later, you know, and I'm heading out the door. But what do you do? You guys, there's truth, and there's discipline, and there's grace. Why? Because God is a what kind of father? An everlasting father. Everlasting father. The love of God never ends. And then he says, and from this fullness of grace... We have all received one blessing after another. And I look at my kids and I think, you know what? That's my job, is to know, help them to know what truth is and then to shower grace on them and then help them to receive one blessing after another. Okay, now, if you hear anything else, you got to hear this here today. In this song, it came upon a midnight clear. The author, the way he wrote it was, and peace on earth, goodwill to men from our all-gracious king. But if you actually read what the Bible says, it says, I know I already shared it. What it said was, peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth to men on whom his grace is laid on. In other words, because all we got to do, you guys, is look at the world, and you understand, right? The peace of God is not everywhere in the world. It's, in fact, it's kind of actually hard to find, unfortunately. Why? Because, and this is so key, the world has been offered salvation. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. But you got to listen to the next part. So that whoever would believe in him would not perish. Whoever would believe in him would be under his grace. That's who his favor rests on, is the person who's actually received the forgiveness of God. And so the no condemnation, the no judgment is there, but it's all there because this little baby that we were actually, that we're celebrating actually became a man who died on the cross, which we're going to celebrate in about three months. You can join us for that. Who died on the cross to pay for our sin. Our heavenly father was angry at sin, but he punished Christ so that you don't have to be punished. And the person who puts their faith in Christ is the one his favor rests on. The one who now has no enmity with God. The one who now is completely forgiven. And you guys know what this is like. You know what it's like to be in a relationship with another human being where there isn't forgiveness offered. And it's painful. And it's hard. But then you know as soon as forgiveness happens, there's peace. And there's freedom. And you could have peace with God. Just this morning, Susie told me that two days ago, Mariah grabbed her and she said, hey, mommy, I, I drew you a Christmas picture and I put it under the tree. And so Susie went over and she grabbed the picture and I know you guys can't see this, um, but it's black. There's a little bit of green here. This is a hill. And, but right in the middle is Jesus Christ on the cross. And then the two guys on the other side. The green is the hill. The red is actually the blood that Christ shed. And Susie just thought, this is Mariah's concept of a Christmas picture. She gets it. Because this is what Christmas was for. Christmas was for God to come in to be the Savior of the world, to be your Savior, to come into your darkness, to come into your broken heart, to come into your heaviness, and to bring His light, to bring His forgiveness, so that you could now have the living God, the Prince of Peace, now living in your heart. And I just want to encourage you guys, no matter where you're at, that this is what it's for. We have been saved by grace. We're forgiven. He sacrifices life. This is what it's for. And the whole idea with this for us, when we thought about Christmas this year, is once you get that, there's part of it that goes, how can I not give that? You know, and, and I've shared this here too before. I mean, my track record of sin is like pretty long. It's deep. In fact, it's really good. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of stuff that God has completely forgiven me for. And I'm telling you, when you get forgiven by God, how can you not offer that to somebody else? When, when God has been gracious to you and he's been merciful to you, then what you do is now you turn around and you say, I need to be gracious and merciful to the people around me. And you guys, what's going to change this world? What's going to change this world? You know what God does? He still wants to touch the world with his peace. And he touches the world through those he's touched. That's why Jesus said, you guys, it's good that I go. Because if I leave, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And now you're going to have the same spirit inside of you that I had. 
The same spirit that wants to bind up broken hearts and comfort those who are mourned and release those who are in captive, that's who I am. But if you receive me, I'm going to place that inside your heart and now you can go into the world and be an agent of my peace, of my truth and my grace to the world. And that's why when we sent out our flyers this year, we just said, you know, come, you guys, why don't you come help us touch the world? Because this world's hurting. And it's hurting everywhere. It's hurting right in this room. It's going to hurt you sometime this year. Or maybe this week. Maybe today. And you know what? We now are the agents of God's peace to this world. We're the angels now. <laughs> you know, we're not angelic beings. I was talking with somebody this week. We, you know, people and angels are different. But what we are now is we are his messengers, just like the angels were. We're the ones who now can let everybody know you can be at peace with God. And so how are we going to touch the world? I love this. In John 1, there's another version of the Bible called the message. It's called a paraphrase. And, and uh, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He said, the word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> now, in the version I read you, it says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. But Eugene, I like, he always tries to make it a little bit more like today. And he says, when Jesus came in, he moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, generous inside and out, true from the start to finish. When Jesus came into the world, you guys, he moved into the neighborhood and he was generous. Now I can ask you, who's your neighbor? Do you guys remember, anybody remember the song from Sesame Street? Who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, oh, people in your neighborhood, they're the people that you meet, walking down the street, they're the people that you meet each day. Well, you, you know, first service actually joined me in the, in the chorus, but, but you guys, here's what's interesting about our world today, and I'm going to kind of lead you down this thing before we close. Who are the people in your neighborhood today? Did you guys know that more than ever in our world, we now have neighbors that are global? Our neighbors are the Russian orphans that we work with. We actually touch. We're changing their lives. That's amazing to me. And just so you know, we work with these orphanages all, all year long. The people down in Honduras who don't have clean water even to drink, those are the people we partner with. Those are our neighbors. That when it happened down in New Orleans, we realized that those are our neighbors. The people who live over here across the valley, those are our neighbors. And who are your neighbors? They're the people sitting right next to you. And I just want to let you know that those are five areas here at K2 that we have really felt like God has asked us to totally pour our love and touch. Touch these kids who don't have parents in Russia. Touch these people who are struggling financially and don't even have clean water to drink in Honduras. Touch the people who lost everything in New Orleans. Touch those who get misplaced out of society right across the valley and touch each other right in this place. And so if you haven't been with us this last month, what we did is we've been asking everybody to kind of sit before God and just pray and say, what if we took part of our Christmas budget, just a portion of it, and we pulled it out and we said, let's give our, each other just a few less gifts this year and let's take out this other portion and let's offer it to those who are weary, who are people who are living in It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, where darkness and heaviness is their experience every single day. 
And I know that many of you have come prepared today because today is the day we're going we're to bring this gift. But let me just uh, read for you one last passage. It's chapter um, 1 of, uh, or I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 3, start with verse 16. It says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And just here at K2, this last year, it's just been, this has been an area that we've been really trying to get better. We're not claiming by any means, if you know us at all, this is, we're not claiming to be super duper in this, in this deal, but what we're realizing is that when Christmas came, God came into the world that was dark as the light of the world. And now he says, now you are the light of the world. And we need to go into these places and offer ourselves the best we can. So one tangible way we want to live out this first John thing is just today. And as we bring our gifts, and if, you, if you've come prepared, this would be your time. Band, you guys can come on up as we get ready. Um, but <clears throat> many of you have come. You've sat down and you've kind of shortened your Christmas budget. There's a couple Christmas trees up here and there's some boxes um, that you can go ahead and put your, uh, your gift in today. If you've come today and you didn't know that this was going on or that we were going to do this today, there is a little card on your seat. In fact, if you want, anybody who brought a gift, you can just stick that in the envelope if you want and bring it forward. But we also just thought, if some of you are sitting here today and, and just weren't ready for this or didn't know that we were going to do this, if you would as well just like to say, man, I want to be a part of that. Um, you can just fill out that card and just write in a, a, a pledge that you'd like to give to help these who are less fortunate, both here locally and all around the world. And we feel like this might be at least one chance to taste what it was like for Jesus to come into the world and to touch the world with his peace and to give us a chance to touch the world now with the peace that we've been given. And so before the band kicks off this last song, I'd love for you just to sit, and maybe for you today, um, what you need to think about is, man, has Jesus moved into my neighborhood? <laughs> has, have I ever allowed his favor to rest on me? Have I ever let the grace and the forgiveness of my sins to totally set me free and to be at peace with God. And then, if you have done that, is that now flowing from you to the people around you? And this last song just simply says, you guys, this is our God. This is the one that we waited for. And he's still the one who comes and still the one who brings peace internally with each other and with himself. And so, if you're ready to give at any time, as we sing this song and the ones to follow, you can bring your gifts forward and let's share this together.